報Hello, my friends, and welcome to No Normal. What are you doing? <laughs> welcome to No Normal People. I'm your host, Stephen Henning. Are you ready for some podcast? With my co-host, Dixie Lee Henning. Are you ready for some foot game? Oh, this what? is the angle you want to go. Foot game. Foot game. Absolutely. Sports ball. The super, the super dish, the super bowl. The bowl of dishes. Man, we had a riff like this last year. Yeah, didn't we, we did. Woof. That's what hey, brought it to mind. You know what team was there that was there <gasps> last year? We could just play our intro from that time. Was the Kansas City Chiefs, but yeah. they, they, they had done whiffed it. They uh, suck. That's awkward. They, they had don't no. Suck. They had They're, no offensive I mean, line. It, Patrick Mahomes the, ran so much during this it's game. It's not the point. Because it's fine. O-line Nobody can meet beat Tom Brady. Kept Steven. letting just, in the fine. big seven. Also Gronkowski. Ow. Excuse me. Sorry. Excuse me. Sorry. I look nothing like him. <laughs> How dare you veer your affection? Um, and your. Okay, I only have one name for this. Making eyes Emma Watson. for. What's the name for that? Stop veering affection, Steven. I didn't do it with the microphones on. <laughs> but now you're on record with Gronkowski. Yeah, I mean, he's legit. Dixie Lee Gronkowski. Ew. How's that? That's disgusting. I never said I wanted to marry him. With the face you just made. <laughs> I don't want to marry him. I just want to put my face on his face. Okay, well... Welcome to No Normal People, where we prove that the more you get to know the normal people in your life, you discover that there really are no normal people in your life. They're all freaks. Even if their name is Gronkowski. That's not a real name. Hey, he's he scored two touchdowns for them. True. Buccaneers. Buccaneers. Tom Brady. Remember when Um, nobody even knew who the Buccaneers were? (laughs) Well, I kept calling them tuberculosis because their their abbreviation is TB for Tampa Bay. Okay. So the entire game, I was like, oh, tuberculosis scored another point. I had a clever idea for a duet in high school. So like I was singing a duet with a friend, Mitch. Mitchell. Yeah. And it was a duet. It was him and me. So uh, my clever name. More like a dudette. My, thank you. My clever name for our group, because we have to, you have to name it for the ballots, right? My clever name was MS Word because of of Mitchell and Mitchell Steven. Steven? I need to wait. No, no. But then but most of my classmates thought I meant is it multiple sclerosis word? Steven. I was like, how is that something Steven? How? Steven? You're such a nerd. It's bad. I know it's bad. (laughs) It should have been Excel. MS Excel. No. Mitchell and Steven Excel at singing is Ugh. what the name should it have been. It should have been called Mitchell and Steven but I went with, suck at making up cool names but I went because with they're such nerds. MS Word? <laughs> MS Word. Of all the, all even the Microsoft. PowerPoint. Documentation. PowerPoint. 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 <laughs> 
So that's disgusting. All right. Well, we're back behind You're the such mic. A nerd. Thank you for bearing with us. We we've been three weeks gone, and uh, <laughs> that's that's how I'm measuring it with the, we, the ye old been, Gregorian we've calendar. We've been gone for three quarters of a moon. Three quarters. Of, well, yeah. I know math You're not, sometimes. <laughs> You're not wrong. I so, know I'm not. We are bringing our very first guest of 2021, and 20, his whoa. name is Dylan. Beyonce. Oh, sorry. Dylan Dietz. <laughs> I was Beyonce. Okay. Dylan Dietz. Welcome to the show, Dylan Dietz. Dylan Dietz. We have heard his mm. drum playing on the podcast before, yeah. back in 2020 with Jess McDonald's episode. True story. Talking about her music that she wrote for Fresh Life Church. And now we get to have Dylan Dietz on the podcast. We're talking about the music he writes. Yeah. The music he makes. And we also talk a lot about hunting, which yes, is very fun. I think I'm going to go hunting with him in September. So vaccines could not that, get here soon enough. I think that you're going to go hunting about, adjacent to him. I'm going to go hiking and he's going to be hunting. <laughs> I'm not, I probably will not touch like that gun. I feel like the likelihood of you shooting something is nah, real small. <laughs> I've fired a gun twice in my life. I know. And can I tell you something? That's funny. Didn't care for it. <laughs> it hit me really hard in the shoulder because <laughs> I held it wrong. Yeah, my sister <laughs> shot me with a BB gun once. Oh, I mean, BB guns. I don't count those as, I think, 22 Steven, and up. they're like, called BB guns. Yeah, I know, but so is Airsoft. The point and is it's that like, they're shooting things. Yeah. They're shooting projectiles. I, have a pe- I had a pellet gun growing up, or a BB gun, but that's not the have same. Have you ever been hit by a BB gun, Steven? Yeah, no, I, I actually have. I was basically a deer. I, I was shot through you. the heart. Nope. Essentially. That's bad hunting. <laughs> I thought I Do died. not aim for the heart. I you thought shoot, I died. You aim for both lungs on a broadside. I'm going to aim for your lungs. Dylan, Dylan himself says it in the podcast. <laughs> Go get I a gun. I know these things. <laughs> you know what I also know now is how to prepare Brussels sprouts. And oh, yeah. Uh, just a perfect ribeye. He yeah, makes you, me so you hungry. You toast them and then you put them directly in the garbage can. He no. I'm just kidding. You. I love. Brussels. Excuse you. I love Brussels sprouts. You know this. Excuse you. Okay. Well, Dylan Dietz, everybody. We did it. Here, you, here you go. Here we go. Welcome to the. Welcome to it. Do okay. <laughs> and I think we're ready to. Get into it. Dylan, are you ready? I'm so ready. We're going to start with some rapid fire questions, shall we? These Let's are all go. Let's do it. From the gut, uh, no need to overthink it. All right, here we go. Homebody or free spirit? A, a little of, of both. Okay. My happy place is, well, it's kind of one and the same, I guess. I love being at home, but if I'm not at home, I'm alone <laughs> eight miles deep in, in a mountain somewhere oh, with no there, cell service. There you go. Spender or saver? Spender. Do you call it soda or pop? Oh, that I think I end up calling it both because I, I grew up on the Canadian border. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yep. And so I think I lean towards soda more. Books or movies? Movies. Introvert or extrovert? I call myself a professional extrovert. Professional? Oh, okay. I think in, in all the um, personality tests, I'm like slightly like two percent more introverted than extroverted but <laughs> very good i was in a like full-time vocational ministry for 10 years so i know how to like flip the switch that would do it oh, yeah. absolutely that would do it all right and be extroverted and talk to everyone <laughs> and then go home and 
die and cry sure. a lot and it, die and cry there you go <laughs> change or consistency change video games or board games video games animation or live action movies animation are you task oriented or people oriented both instagram or twitter instagram oceans or lakes oh shoot i love oceans <laughs> but i spend more time on lakes lakes fair enough rain or sun sun tea or coffee coffee beaches or mountains mountains cats or dogs <laughs> dogs sunrise or sunset both east coast or west coast west handshakes or hugs hugs and phone calls or texts phone calls perfect you did it boom that's the rapid fire the most stressful part is over now <laughs> that's debatable now we're gonna go to some more open-ended questions these ones we can we can elaborate a bit more they're not either or we're just kind of breaking the ice a little bit and dixie's gonna yeah. okay sounds good dixie's gonna take you through those okay so let's start with what is your favorite failure favorite failure that's a great question this is gonna sound like wrong but it just let me preface it by saying it's not wrong. <laughs> uh, my wife and I wanted to wait five years before we had kids. We failed at that. It was the best uh, failure of my life. <laughs> nice. That's a good answer. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have foods that you will never eat? The only I'm a big foodie. I love cooking. Mm-hmm. I consider myself an amateur home cook. I want to open a food truck someday. Mm. The only food I refuse to eat because it's the worst decision anyone's ever made is uh pumpkin seeds oh yeah uh okay i yeah. agree they're kind of they're kind of gross i yeah. honestly like whenever you post a video on instagram of you cooking steak i like rewatch it over and over and over again nice <laughs> like 90 yeah. percent of your views what is the worst fashion trend you've ever participated in i don't i don't know i think i have a twin brother mm-hmm. who is like the extroverted life of the party version of myself. <laughs> the most stylish, just confident human being I, I've ever met. And he always says, uh, fashion isn't about what you wear. It's like how you wear it. Right. Mm. Basically, if mm. you're confident in it, then no one can say otherwise. So I don't think I've ever participated in a bad fashion trend. I think I've always worn what makes me feel most confident. And, uh, <laughs> and those styles change. But the short answer to the question is I was like into emo in like 2005. Mm-hmm. Who wasn't? And, you know, like, yes, this is a classic. <laughs> I will say I started I grew up in a tiny, tiny little uh, town in North Idaho. And me and my twin brother were the first people to uh, wear tight jeans oh, in our high school. No. And everyone made fun of us, and then it became a huge trend. So nice trend, but, but the, the emo thing. Yep, sure, maybe. Yeah, there it is. We all went there. Well, except Stephen. Yeah. Everyone but Stephen <laughs> went there. He missed out. Yeah, man, he's real sad like a little times. too young yeah. to Oops. have hit that phase. Right. Anyway, <laughs> what is your biggest pet peeve? Uh, people that don't use their blinkers when driving. Oh yes. And not returning shopping carts. Ooh. Who would you call your best friend? My wife, for sure. Um, as far as like best guy friends, I, f- I have a handful of them mm-hmm. that I couldn't say one is my, my best. I'm very uh, lucky to have a small handful of really, really close guy friends. That's awesome. Do you have a collection of something? Hunting gear. <laughs> I think that's my only collection. Let me think. 
I'm a huge fan of this company called Kuyu. Mm-hmm. And it's like the Gucci of hunting apparel. <laughs> it's uh, ah, it's okay. not redneck. I pride myself. I've been a, a avid, avid hunter for most of my life. Yeah. Not a redneck. There's a huge difference between the two. Okay. And uh, I have a great collection of Kuyu that I'm very proud of. Fantastic. Very nice. So when you were little, what did you want to be when you grew up? Funny story. When I was three, and my, my dad never lets me live this down. I guess when I was three, we were outside. We had a bunch of apple trees and we were picking up, uh, picking apples. Mm-hmm. And my mom I, apparently asked me, what do you want to be when um, you grow up? And I thought real hard about it. And then I said, mm, I, I really want to be a butterfly. <laughs> this, so that's referenced all the time. This that is excellent. This is a powerful future you have. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. It's foreshadowing. I want to be a butterfly. You burst <laughs> and, for, uh, forth from your cocoon. Yes, but it's it, the the real answer is uh, a musician. I've always wanted to <laughs> yeah. to make money playing music, singing, writing, oh, recording, all that. Excellent. I mean, is it very different? Uh, butterflies are no. The musicians I mean, you go into like a, a chrysalis, <laughs> and you're trying to find, figure out who you are, and you emerge right as beautiful. a beautiful monarch with wings. Yeah, a poor, starving <laughs> monarch. <laughs> Uh, yeah, who absolutely. needs to eat? Perfect. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's why I hunt. I can't afford to buy groceries. Yeah. There you go. I like the logic there. I kill my food. There you go. Even though I spent thousands of dollars on Kuyu. Yeah. And uh, but that was before. Anyways. It's right. fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, What's a smell that takes you back to a good memory in your childhood? I think campfires. I, oh, that's yeah. like probably a, a common answer, but no, that's a good answer. Anytime you smell a campfire, it's like you're back to camping with grandpa and dad and totally right. Uh, campfires for sure. Definitely. Beautiful. I think I know the answer to this one, right. but what is your favorite sport or physical activity? Favorite sport in the truest sense of the word is Brazilian jiu-jitsu. All right. Um, I grew up playing uh, all kinds of sports, golf, I was a decent golfer, mind you, and <laughs> basketball, football, all that. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, like any combat sport, I think is the, the purest form of, of sport that ex- exists. I love right. watching the NFL. I'm a huge college basketball fan. Mm, nice. And then, yeah, hunting. If you if yeah. People we'll might get that. upset if I call it a sport, but I mean, it's much more than that. But, it's kind uh, yeah. of like jiu-jitsu, except... I'll take it. It's mental jujitsu for sure. Do you actively practice jujitsu? Like, do you have a belt and all that? Yes. I've been grappling for, uh, since 2010. So 11 years. Wow. But I've been, I've been out with a neck injury for the last two years. So Mm. I haven't been actively training. I'm a, I did no gi jujitsu, which is without the like uniform. Sure. Right. For a long time. I was training MMA for a while and then, uh, I was sparring and got kicked in the liver and kidney area and then and peed blood for the first time and then i said what am i doing this is crazy i'm not gonna be a pro fighter i'm paying someone for this (laughs) i'm paying someone to beat me up i'm paying to be exactly right um do you i just i just stuck to jujitsu and i uh i absolutely love it i'm a blue belt in gi jujitsu the world's worst blue belt i like to say (laughs) ah that's funny um do you watch like mma or ufc for grappling totally yeah um, yeah i like to keep up on it have you heard of matt betzold he has one leg he has one leg um, oh yeah yeah that's my cousin <laughs> no way <For> real. 
<laughs> he's a legend. Yeah, he's. I've seen all of his, he's his really fights. Cool. He's really cool. That is so. He's your cousin. Yep. He I'll lost t- his leg to wants... gangrene in like forever ago. So. No way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a beast. Yeah, he's crazy. All right. So, what is your favorite dine-in restaurant? Um, Vidge's in downtown Vancouver, BC. It's in, uh, like East Indian restaurant. Okay. I went there with my wife and family one time and had the best meal of my entire life. (laughs) Very cool. Curried lamb popsicles. Very cool. Oh man. Now I'm like, I'm literally (laughs) salivating. That was one of the best meals of my entire life. We're going to stop recording. We get to this. If you're ever in downtown Vancouver, BC, Vidge's is otherworldly and with the canadian exchange rate i think we each had like three drinks all kinds of appetizers and i think with a healthy tip it cost me like 70 bucks for me and my wife's meal Jeez, nice yeah well done that is way to to go canada way to do it (laughs) yeah what is your favorite fast food it's a tie between in and out and chick-fil-a i know in and out gets a lot of Oh, it's overrated. Whatever. No, I don't think it's overrated. <laughs> I think it is what it is. Fresh, easy, they do delightful. <laughs> and everyone rips on their fries. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of their fries, personally. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite candy? I don't eat candy. All right. But if I'm going to pick one, it's Sweet Tart Ropes. Ooh. Oh, yes. 100%. <laughs> All right. Yeah. What is your favorite snack? Uh, dried mangoes. Your favorite morning drink? Coffee. <laughs> and depending on the day, whiskey. No, I'm just joking. Yeah. Wow. Uh, coffee. <laughs> what is your favorite TV show? The Office and Parks and Recreation. Yes. Every six months, I watch all of, I binge all of Parks and Recreation. When that's done, binge all of The Office. That's- Every six months? Like this is on the schedule for you? Yes. Wow. Because <laughs> it makes me happy. Wow. It's, it's like, good. um, mental health exercise for right. me. That's right. great. Yeah. Do you have um, the office on like DVD? Um, I did and I sold them all of course. because it was on Netflix and that didn't age well. Awkward. You know, Oops. Oh, whoops. But Oops. I think you can get it on iTunes like the whole entirety of the office for like 30 bucks. Oh, perfect. oh wow. There you go. Right now. So. He's going to go on iTunes Hot later. tip. Yeah. yeah hot tip. <laughs> All right. What is a secret talent that you have? It would have been Brazilian jiu-jitsu if I um, didn't talk about it earlier. <laughs> it's not Oops. so secret anymore. Secret talent. I can play piano and drums at the same time. What? That's pretty cool. That's witch, I don't know how that's hit, witch magic. hidden that is, but there you go. All right. What was your first job? My first job was working at a tree farm in Sandpoint, Idaho, making uh, Christmas trees with a big machete. Uh, you okay. gotta like shear it. You're putting the angle, um, all into the new the, growth. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. You want to make it look like a perfect upside down ice cream cone. And sometimes people would uh, there'd be bald faced hornets nests in the trees. No. And every once no, in a no. while, you'd hack into a tree and just hear like Death. this machine like <laughs> buzzing. <laughs> One guy got stung in the neck two hundred some odd times. <gasps> And had to go to the hospital. Yeah, I bet he did. That was wild. One time my buddy... That'd be the day I quit. Oh, man, it was hilarious. (laughs) Imagine being... Not hilarious that he almost died, but I think it's in every boy, this fascination with messing with bees nests. (laughs) So imagine being 14 
and you have a machete. Yeah. And it's already the ability to <laughs> mess with bees with your friends. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great job. I, I was making like eight bucks an hour. Great I think job. it was. Dude, yeah. eight bucks an great hour? Job. Oh, Holy man, crap. We, were, we were rich. That's that's big money. My first job, I made six twenty five an hour, and that was at Wendy's. <laughs> Wendy's, oh, freaking man, Wendy's. Awesome. Anyway, uh, what if you could have a superpower? What would it be? Oof. I mean, flying. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want to fly? That's I don't classic. want the burden. I don't want the burden of like reading people's thoughts. Yeah. I don't want to be invisible. That's creepy. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Super super strength would be cool. I mean, I always think in terms of like, how could I monetize this in today's age? Right. right? <laughs> so if you had super strength, you could make a traveling show. Oh, yeah. And like good. lift cars and yeah. things. There you go. But also if you could fly. Actually, no, this is what I want my superpower to be. I honestly think about this all the time. I want the ability to think of any magic trick and be able to do it. <laughs> well, Okay. Like sleight of hand any, magic, like pen and teller. Any magic. kind of magic. Like okay. if I could think of like, I'm going to throw this deck of cards and it's going to stick inside the window <laughs> and it's going to have a picture of your face on it or something. Like think about any kind of magic trick and then just make it happen. Just do it. How much money you could make. That's great. Being a street performer or something. That, that's absolutely. You know? that's, that's very David Blaine. That's not necessarily a superpower, but... <laughs> Sure. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty super. <laughs> Love it. All right. Last one. What is your proudest accomplishment? Oh, um, I think for me personally, it's uh, releasing my first music project yes. last year. Yes. Um, I've wanted to do that forever. I've been a closet songwriter for a long time <laughs> and I finally like, yeah, I made something I'm really, really proud of. That's awesome. That's great. I love it. All right, well, the rapid fire, the icebreakers are over. So now we get into the real stuff, as if any of that wasn't real. But let's... Yeah, you were lying Let's start from the beginning, Dylan. (laughs) And I want to hear about where you grew up and what your family was like growing up. Yeah, so my parents were high school sweethearts. And they got married when they were 17. They were still in high school. Wow. 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 And they've been together for 30... Eight years, thirty-seven years. Let them go. That's so cool. I had a, a great, a great childhood. Like always, provided for. Mm-hmm. Um, loving parents. I have a twin brother and an older sister, and uh, yeah, grew up in a tiny little town called Bonners Ferry. There's <laughs> like twenty-five hundred people in it. Mm. Uh, far north in Idaho, as you can go before the the border. Beautiful little place. It was a really great place to grow up. So right at the tip of the panhandle. Tip of the old iceberg, yeah. Look at that. Yeah, a great childhood. Like, no complaints, really. My my household was more, like, moralistic, I would say. Like, Mm -hmm. be a good person Mm. and get good grades and all that stuff. And Mm -hmm. I found myself over the years kind of questioning that. Like, well, who's to say that that's right if that makes sense. Right. Mm, yeah. Sure. Um, so that led to a lot of rebellion and, you know, classic teenager stuff <laughs> and, and all that. But uh, really happy, happy childhood. So I know, I know sometimes it becomes a big thing for twins when they were like, I'm mm. actually the older one. Which one, which one of you are the quote unquote older one? I am the older one by 14 minutes. Look at that. Okay. And, and 
uh, the more handsome. <laughs> so, wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, no, I'm I not actually don't lie. think that's true. Oh, I've seen pictures I, and story. I literally can't tell you apart. <laughs> it's the hair. It's the hair. That yeah. can t- <laughs> you can tell. It's the hair. But now I'm growing. I'm growing mine out now, too. So <laughs> oh, dang it. Give it time. Okay. But uh, once you get to know us, it's it's very easy. But yeah. um, true story. I was in Bible college. I'm skipping ahead. But I said I'm the more handsome of the two. I actually don't think that's true i think it's because my brother's more confident that yeah. it's just like oh that's attractive oh, i was dating sure. this girl in bible college and oh, my no. brother lived in los angeles at the time and we were in uh, murrieta california so he was coming over to visit the bible college and i was standing with my girlfriend at the time and her friends and my brother's walking up the campus and this girl i'm dating goes huh i said what and she said i swear this is true she said, he's way more attractive than you. Oh, no. Ouch. How and then, dare her? And then her friends just start going, yeah, because look, and just like, look at his body. Look at his chin line. Look at his, you know, like agreeing with her. And I'm just what standing the right there. That, oh, my I, gosh. It's fine. I dumped her. It's she lost, <laughs> but yeah, her. she lost. She that <laughs> she lost. Suck it, Rachel. I Missed don't know out. Her name. She I could have just... had one. It of was you. actually Rachel. No, what? I was like, oh no. my god, I could. I know things. <laughs> that was close. That was a close one. <laughs> All right. So, um, we were just recently asked this when uh, when our friends interviewed us for our own podcast. What would you think? Or how would you begin to describe your role in your family? I guess we could technically call you the middle child if you're older of the twins by 14 minutes. But did you feel like you were the, was it like peacekeeping or were you the comedian or the super curious one? Hmm. A little bit of the comedian, maybe. Okay. I don't know. I feel like me and my twin brother both were rebellious Mm -hmm. types a little bit. Like exploring... Yeah, just questioning, like, why do we have to be good? Why do I have to get good grades? What's the, like, the What's end the game point? to that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. So maybe that curious, maybe uh, experimentive types. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good answer to that question. No one's ever asked me that. That's a good... Uh, <laughs> it's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. I, definitely yeah. not the peacekeeper. Maybe <laughs> nowadays. <laughs> If anything, instigator. But not at the time. <laughs> instigator. Yeah, let's go with instigator. Fair That's enough. Good. Okay. So, did you grow up all the way through high school in this little this little town in Idaho? Yep, my whole life until uh, graduating. Yep. Wow. All right. So, what happened after graduation? Did you go to college? I mean, you mentioned Bible college already. So let's mm-hmm. let's uh, <laughs> tell that part of the story. Yeah, I graduated, and they just had zero clue what I wanted to do with my life and I knew I didn't want to go and get into a bunch of debt and go to college I hate I hated school (laughs) I hated studying it just wasn't for me I wasn't the that type of of person so I took a year off Mm -hmm. and then it was in that time after high school that I became a Christian and started following Jesus and Mm. then like knew nothing about the Bible or anything all I knew is like something was changing in me you know right that's when i found out about this bible college and decided to go and just if i i decided like well if i'm gonna believe this i better un, like tr- attempt to understand right. why i, I believe Commit. it get into yeah. it yeah sure yeah 
So that's where Bible College came in. So Very what cool. what school was that? Where did you attend? Calvary Chapel Bible College. There you go. Um, okay, so you're in rest in peace. They closed down last year. I'm so sad about it. Oof. But this was in California, so mm-hmm. right. And then I did a semester in Spain. They had a campus over oh, in what? Spain. Oh, fantastic! And on the little island of Mallorca. Okay, and God. that was okay. sounds awesome. terrible. All right, so let's first take it. I'm curious <laughs> to know what your experience of culture shock was moving from the very tippy top of Idaho down to California. Yeah, it was um, the culture shock of the location wasn't a big deal. Right. It was the culture shock of being in this like really hyper Christian bubble. Uh, I, this college is, it's amazing. Like we studied every single verse of the Bible over two years and music classes. And that's where I learned uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu from a, a really close friend over there. Oh, nice. Uh, that's where I met my wife eventually. Like, I'm really thinking it was on a um, 70 some acre hot springs resort. Okay. So, okay. You walk to class, there's hot, <laughs> natural hot springs pools, there's a bass fishing lake. I caught one of the biggest bass of my life out of that pond. Yeah, met some of my closest friends. Wow. I would say, like, not knowing anything about the Bible or the Christian, you know, world, right. sure. to go into that was like, it set you up for really unrealistic expectations afterwards, <laughs> right? Fair. So it, it made you, for people like me, it has a tendency to produce like very uh, self-righteous, judgmental, not that they teach that sure. by any means, yeah. but it's hard not to, like very, you become very, very overzealous i guess right at least that was my experience good word it took for me it, yeah. several years to rid myself of all that self-righteousness right huh. if that makes sense so um makes total sense what did yeah it was like i remember sitting down and someone came and sat with me during lunch and i was like hey how's it going i'm dylan and they like rolled their eyes at me and then started praying for their food for like five minutes and <laughs> then talked to me oh wow like that kind of stuff oh wow wow and I don't want to paint this huge negative picture because it was a very life-changing, gave me a huge foundation to actually know why I believe what I believe. Oh, but it, I had to purge myself of that um, right. for years after. Yeah. What was that? What was that process like? And like, how did you go about that? Just kind of like afterwards. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like shaving off those rough corners of <laughs> like all that self-righteousness that you described. It was incredibly painful. Right. Because uh, I burned a lot of bridges. I mm. thought, you know, calling up people and say, hey, you know, you're going to hell. So make a decision. I thought oh, that was effective. God. Like just oh, like wow. things I'm really embarrassed of and really ashamed of. Yeah. Sure. My twin brother, like we were not friends for a couple of years. And because I was a jerk, yeah. you know. Yeah, so it was it was incredibly painful, and I uh, I've probably swung way too far the other way these days, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, but at least I'm honest now. So. Yeah, sure. All right, so now I want to talk about what your experience of culture shock was between California to Spain. What was your experience of Europe, and what was your experience of Spanish culture as opposed to American culture? I loved every second of it. I was still very self-righteous and that was probably the most painful experience I had because it was like a very small, there was like 18 of us. Yeah. So everyone was really close and there was four of us guys and then the rest 
were girls oh, and crap. I was like <laughs> I was like the dorm leader of my little dorm. It, we we lived in a flat overlooking a nude a nudist beach. Okay, um, makes sense. <laughs> which don't get excited, it was all like old women and <laughs> sure. whatever, but uh yikes. <laughs> Spain, yeah. Spain is amazing. Everyone's so kind and welcoming the like siesta thing where everyone takes two hours off during the day and right, nothing's open. Right. Everyone's just out eating food together outside their apartments and they'd invite random strangers over. The the food was amazing. The uh yeah, just it was an overall culture of ease. Mm-hmm. So to come from California, where if you hold the door open for someone, they looked at you like you were a monster. To wow. over there, like wow. you'd you'd the grocery store line, you'd stand in line for like an hour, right? Because no one's in a hurry. Everyone's chill. Everyone's super fit. No one overeats over there. Their portions are small. It's cheap. Like you could fly anywhere for like forty bucks. We flew into Barcelona and stayed for a couple nights in a hostel for like fifty euros. Oh my gosh! So just the we're whole culture was so chill. Yeah. Oh, please go visit. Um, <laughs> go to Mallorca. Barcelona's sketchy. I have a hilarious uh, prostitute story. Oh, good. Uh, if you guys are interested. I mean, yes, we're here for it. Yeah. I'm so here. Yeah, for I can't it. lead with like, you guys want to hear <laughs> you about my drop prostitute that and be like, no, I can't, I'm not You interested. can't be like, uh, while I was at Bible college and then also this prostitute story. Yeah. Like yeah. in the same So we breath. fell in love. She's now my wife. I'm sure. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> oh, Caitlin, uh, no. <laughs> I fell in love with a Spanish girl. No. Uh, it's like, I'm pretty sure she's not Spanish. <laughs> no, she's Canadian. Very Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> no, but so we go to Barcelona for the student trip. I got to see, uh, I'm not a huge um soccer fan but mm-hmm. i did get to see um lionel messi play at mm. camp new in barcelona ninety thousand people wow uh, it was this awesome awesome trip and so fast forward a month later when i was gonna go back to the states when the semester was over i had a 17 hour layover in barcelona wow from Mallorca. right and so i'm in the airport and no one's there and i'm like you know what i bet you i can find that hostel that we stayed in and you know I didn't have a smartphone, no, <laughs> zero way of knowing. It, I can't believe I did this, um, but I hopped on a bus to the city center and was just wandering the streets trying to find this hostel. Eventually found it, uh, Skyped my parents from the hostel, uh-huh. said, hey, I'm safe. I'm over here. My mom was furious. Of course. Rightfully so. <laughs> and uh, and this I'm like a white prostitute. Yeah. Yeah. This is pre-prostitute. And uh, oh my gosh. so it's like two in the morning at the time. And I'm like, I'm going to go get some gelato. Yeah. As and you do. so I go and this hostel is like a mile and a half of alleyway until you get onto the main street. Right. And so I'm walking and throughout this mile, like I would say every 100, 200 yards, there's a group of four or five prostitutes. They kind of travel in packs. Mm. And so I'm approaching them and I'm starting to get worried because they're approaching me they're not subtle they grab your clothes they mention all of the services they offer and i'm just like head down hustling through this (laughs) and now i'm getting really scared right um, because they're very aggressive prostitutes and uh so I'm I like pack after pack of prostitutes i'm just here for gelato man leave me alone 
<laughs> so in my so eventually I'm just singing a hymn under my breath, like oh my in gosh. a state of shock, being attacked by <laughs> prostitutes for a mile. And uh, I finally get through it all, and I'm I'm so scared. And I go to an ATM uh, to get money for gelato, and I hear footsteps. Oh God! Surrounding me, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna get mugged. I'm gonna die in Barcelona. My mom's gonna be pissed. <laughs> and um, Justified. I turn around, and it's all prostitutes. Yep. And uh, I fight my way through them. I finally get out oh onto gosh. the main street, and there's. Throughout the, uh, all on the main street, there's people with like menus, like advertising for their pubs, their bars. Right. Mm-hmm. And I finally get through there and this, this girl is like, oh my gosh, are you okay? I saw everything that happened. Like, are, are you all right? And I thought she was advertising for a bar, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's so nice to talk to someone who speaks English, like blah, 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 blah. And we're small talking. And then she goes, well, I'm Amanda. And do you want blah 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 my services and I'm like, not another one and i look up and she has herpes all over her mouth uh, yikers and i said and i said no and she said why not and i said and all i could sputter out was like i'm a christian and she hissed at me and walked the other way what dylan dylan had you not said that these were prostitutes, it sounds like you've been playing a zombie video game. <laughs> like I'm not joking. That's how it felt. Like these poor girls. Like oh my gosh, oh gosh, dirty. Obviously, a lot of them like probably sex trafficked. Yeah, oh, yeah. And wow. it was so sad and so scary. And I finally like got to the other side, and there's another one. <laughs> like please. <sighs> Leave me alone. And right. you sit quietly oh and gosh. eat your gelato. Yeah. And pray. yeah. So then finally I found a bar and I had several beers. <laughs> and I think I still have PTSD from that. So. Yeah. Well, you very well might. What a. Okay. So by <laughs> full college, classic prostitute. You come back to California. Yes. Okay. Let's, let's take another angle at this college uh, because you've already mentioned this is where you met your wife. So tell me a little bit yes. about that story. So I go back for my final semester in 2012 and uh, I'm, it's the best man. I'm, I'm starting to get to the point where I realize, like, wow, I am not who I think I am. Mm-hmm. Like I'm actually a self-righteous jerk and I'm starting to like slowly lose that side of myself or begin the process of mm. not being that way. Sure. Right. And, you know, thinking I'm God's favorite and some spiritual giant and realizing like, oh, I'm actually just a tool, tool bag, you know. <laughs> so that last semester was so good. I'm, I'm a dorm steward again. Ne- uh, one of my best friends is in my dorm with me. Next door, my, my best, best friend in the whole world is in the room next to me. It was such a good time. In that time, just met Caitlin. I remember seeing her the first day of Bible college. And walking across the street, and I said, mm, got to stay away from that one. I was very attracted <laughs> to her. And just eventually became friends. We'd hang out in groups, and um, we really became friends. I was watching uh, March Madness, and I had two laptops open, and I had spent like 60 bucks to watch every game. Oh you know what I'm gosh. saying? Wow. Yeah. wow. So I'm in the, in the coffee shop just watching like five basketball games at the same time. And Caitlin comes and sits by me. She's like, I love basketball. Of course. Uh, and so we just hung out and we're doing homework <laughs> and watching basketball. And at the end, when I had to go to class, she's like, can I have your password 
for the you know CBS Sports or whatever it was, so I can watch these games. I'm like, no, I just I spent <laughs> almost a hundred dollars for this. I'm not just giving you my password. <laughs> and so we were talking, laughing about that. And she went to get a coffee, and I wrote down that password and put it on her computer, and then went to class. Nice. And the cool thing is, uh, like last year, she showed me she still has that little slip of paper with my password on it. Aww, you've changed I'm your like, password you- since then, right? No, I haven't. And oh, that's God. why it's very dangerous. Because I'm like, my whole <laughs> life is connected to that same password and variations of it. I'm just kidding. I'm responsible with my passwords. But uh, yeah, shortly after that, uh, my best friend who is next door, he asked me to go play basketball with him one night at Gold's Gym and like break curfew and go play basketball. I'm like, Patrick, you have zero business playing basketball. You suck <laughs> at basketball. So he goes to the Gold's Gym and the next morning i get a call that he his heart had stopped and he had passed away oh my god wow wow playing basketball that night and so that was like a huge pivotal life-changing moment obviously wow that's crazy like wow it was cool because he was talking about this youth group he was going back to north carolina to lead for his summer internship over at his church in north Mm -hmm. carolina and long story short i eventually um, was offered his spot to go. So oh, I wow. got to go wow. over there and live there for a while and lead that youth group and see all the people he was talking about. And oh, yeah, wow. I'm still in, still in contact with a lot of those kids. And that was, uh, that was nine years ago now. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, Caitlin and I just started to become really close friends. And, um, the last day of Bible college, I told her like, Hey, look, obviously I like you. Like, what are we <laughs> going to do about this? And she didn't say anything back, which was a great start. Absolutely, it was. Crushing it. Because it was like, she's going back to Vancouver, BC, where mm-hmm. she's from. Uh-huh. And I'm going to North Carolina, like opposite ends of the North America, Pretty basically. far apart, yeah. Yep. Pretty far apart. And so we're like, well, let's just be friends. And I did, yeah. So we just got really close, Skyping every night and uh, praying together, which we rarely do nowadays. Uh, but back then we were all about it and yeah i went to visit her and absolutely fell in love with her and locked her down so locked her down fantastic locked her down when did you guys get married we got married in 2013 so like we'd been dating for like a year and a half officially perfect very cool marriage and yeah it was great and then you decide you want to wait five years to have a kid but that you fail at that lasted two years two years (laughs) So we we had moved to Montana. We were living in the middle of nowhere in Whitefish. Yeah, tell me about that move. Like what got you to Whitefish together? So we moved back to Bonners Ferry and quickly realized wow. like this is not for us. Yeah. Um, this small of we a community. We were attending a church, like my home church just became extremely hyper right wing. Oof. And the pastor Ouch. would say stuff like, Jesus can't wait to return and burn Washington, D.C. to the ground. Ouch. And yep. if you've put your kids in public school, you've handed them over to the devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like... Oof. All facts. Rough. All, all true yeah, things. All true. 100% <laughs> true. No, and, the uh, words of a prophet. <laughs> it was... Um, we just realized, like, I, this is really far from God's heart, and yeah. I want nothing to do with this. I can't remember the last time I invited someone to that church, and wow. I, I got wow. to the point where I was like, I don't need to take a paycheck. I, I love so many of those people. We're still very close to this day. They're so 
not all of them think that way, but right. that was like the culture. Mm-hmm. Right. Obviously not for us. And then, so our pastor now, Pastor Levi, came and spoke at Calvary Chapel Bible College in 2012, right after we had both left. Right. I don't know. I was working and Caitlin, we're dating at this time. She said, you got to hear this sermon and sent me the audio from that sermon that Pastor Levi spoke. Right. And it was right after his daughter had passed away. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was one of the most just dynamic sermons I'd ever heard. Yeah. Come to find out he's got a, their church is two and a half hours away from us. Mm. So then we just went to visit one time. I got us a, a night away at the lodge in nice. Whitefish, which I highly recommend. It's a beautiful place. And then we went to church there for the first time. And it was like, Oh wow! Like I want to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, this is different. This is this is everything like I thought the church should be. So that led to us like visiting once a month. I don't know if you know Brandon Yap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Became really close friends with him, and then that led to us like really believing that well, we need to be in Montana. We have great friends that are actually our age, right? And a, a church we're not ashamed to invite people to, right? Mm. And uh, yeah. That's how that turned out. So we're in um, living in Whitefish. I'm working at Cabela's, making like 600 bucks a month. Nice. And Caitlin's not working. <laughs> and uh, then we find out we're pregnant, and our rent is 850 a month, let alone groceries. <laughs> so we can't pay rent. Ooh. We can't buy food. So we're racking up credit card debt. We're right. stressed out, and then we find out we're gonna have a baby. Yeah. And I remember, uh, and you can bleep this out, uh, but it's important to the story. She calls me into the bathroom and she's like getting ready in the mirror and she shows me a positive pregnancy test. And I said, oh, <laughs> like that was the first thing that came out. Like I wasn't this sexy, like, oh, we're going to have a baby. Right. Like, we were terrified. Weeping with like, joy. Oh, right. God. Terrified. Oh, God. And then what it now? became a matter of like, God, did you really call us here? Like, Ooh. did we, you know, like, right. you know, everyone has that at some point in their lives. And. Yeah. Like I can't pay. We got rent due to today. It was a Sunday. We have rent due today. Can't pay it. I'm about to call my mom and ask for money, which you know is every boy's dream. Yeah, right. As an adult, absolutely. <laughs> it's my favorite thing to do. Caitlin says, "Well, I'm going to church," and I'm like, "I am not. I'm going to lie in bed and be depressed." <laughs> about to call my mom and ask for a couple hundred bucks. Mm. And then as I'm lying in bed, just questioning, like, did I make the right decision? Like, it was really easy living in Idaho. Parents down the street renting this huge, like, 3,000 square foot house for 400 bucks. Jeez. And (laughs) it was cheap. It was so cheap to live there. And a a good friend hooked us up with this huge house Mm -hmm. for cheap. And um, the hunting was awesome. One of my best friends was living there. And it was great. Other than, like, being miserable in our church situation right and just being frustrated with the town in general like it's kind of like walking 30 years into the past sometimes Mm, yeah (laughs) very resistant to change been there time you gotta travel right yeah yeah exactly and love every i love that place to death um but it's not for me yeah anymore and then um so caitlin goes to church and i'm about to call my mom for money and she calls me and said and crying and my wife is very um uh, um, she handles emotion very well. I, I like to say I've seen her cry uh, four times in my life, and three of those have been while watching uh, Queer Eye. 
Absolutely. I relate to that yeah. so hard. Oh my yeah, god. Exactly. That is not so she does what I thought cry. you were going to say. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I was like, it's going to be so, some emotional uh, thing. Three of those like, were watching no, queer. Like, I only cried when she held our babies. Exactly. Like, and I thought it was, was going to be something no, cute. No, she didn't. Like when, when Roman was born, I was a sobbing mess. <laughs> And they they plop Roman on her, and I'm like, oh, he's beautiful. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and she goes, "Hi, buddy." Of course, oh, wow. that is hilarious. So that's like, look at you. I'm the emotional one. Caitlin is not, but she's calls me bawling. I'm like, oh my gosh, are you okay? I thought she was like in a car accident, right? right. Yeah. And she tells me the story that some random guy who we have never seen since hands her an envelope. Tells her I'm just the messenger, and there's fifteen hundred dollars in it. Holy crap! The the day our rent is due, the day I'm questioning, like, do I move back in with my parents? Like, I'm Ooh, a failure. Yeah. And that was just a solidifying, like, I see you. You're. I've called you to be here, and yeah. That so is that's amazing. our experience with moving to Montana, and it's been a hard and beautiful Wowzers. and awesome ever since. Wowzers. Holy crap. That's awesome. Okay. So your firstborn is Roman. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yep. You guys just recently had a second, correct? Yeah. Brand new little baby. His name is Porter. Mm. Porter. And he is, I thought Roman was an easy baby. This, this one is a cakewalk so far. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. Uh, I think it's because like, you're not as afraid. Right. With your second kid, you've kind of, you kind of know what to do a little bit. Sure. And Roman is four and a half now. And then uh, Porter is three months. Wow. Very cool. Look at you guys go. You're doing it. All right. So we're now, trying so hard. So now we're in Montana <laughs> and we're in the Flathead area. I'm curious to know mm-hmm. what you currently do for work. Yeah. So I was, uh, had the pleasure of being on staff at Fresh Life for five years. And with that second baby coming, you know, I wanted to, I just want to do creative things. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was, serving as like the the youth pastor yeah. and just not great at it. It's not like my life's joy and doing the best I could, but not doing it very well. Sure. And yeah. it just came down to like, you know, I've got to try to make a little bit more money. I, I've worked in churches for 10 years. They, right. they don't pay very well. Everyone knows <laughs> that. And that's fine. Um, <laughs> I will say first, very generous, great health benefits, yeah. uh, family atmosphere. Awesome. But it, it just, Needed a change after 10 years. Right. So, yeah. I, I've been working at Costco cutting meat, which I love butchering. My grandpa taught me how to butcher. Yeah, doing that. And the, But the hours were super rough. You know, retail hours don't yeah. suit sure. a newborn. No, no, And, no, no. you know, my <laughs> older son, like, dad, you got to be home in the evenings. I want to hang out. I want to play Power Rangers and sword fight, you know? Uh, absolutely. You know, how so sons I do. just, yes. <laughs> yes, son. This one, Yes. Let's play fight and throw things at each other and wrestle. And so I, I just need for this time, I, Costco's awesome. It's no secret. Costco takes care of their employees. It's a great place to work. But totally. Right. I was getting like 24 hours a week and it's not, mm. it, it's not enough. So I just took a job at a company called Excalibur. They make rifle barrels, like custom rifle barrels. Oh, wow. Ooh, very cool. And it's like a Monday through Thursday schedule. So I work four tens. My wife works at the church. She gets Fridays off. So we'll. We'll all have family day again on Fridays, awesome. consistent hours. So Fantastic. I start that on Monday. I'm super pumped about oh, that. Oh my god! It's literally, it's literally like the new thing. That's so cool. Listen, it's brand new. I do. Yeah, have you? I'm really excited. Have you had any experience of working four tens before? Yes. 
And it's, it's fantastic. It is seriously yeah. the it's best. the way to go. <laughs> yes, yeah. I have the the, the uh, privilege of working four tens at the refinery I work at, and having, nice having the Friday, Saturday, Sunday just consistently open. Huge. It's huge. It's a game changer. Yeah. And I just found out I get fifty percent off some of my favorite outdoor brands. You absolutely do, my man. Yeah. Yes. That's like, <laughs> oh, let's go. This is awesome. So Which, I'm working that and now just trying to focus on like being thirty years old and trying to start a music career <laughs> way sure. too late in the game. Sure. But it's nice just to have like after 10 years of this is who I am, this is what I do. It's nice to, you know, get out of the church uh, bubble just a little bit and meet people in the community and just do a job. And that's awesome. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. then just pursue my creative passions and hunting and music and all that. Dude, totally. That's that's exactly how I feel with with my job. The work is great. The the team is great in the office. But what the four tens allow me and what that type of work allows me is Friday, Saturday, Sunday of just of solid podcasting and just doing the yeah. thing I really want to be doing. So Yeah, that's so cool. Man. I totally relate. Uh, that's so cool. If you like what you're hearing, the best way to tell us about it would be on Apple Podcasts, where you can leave us a five-star rating and a review, which helps others find the show. If you find this podcast valuable, please tell a friend about the show in person, with a text or by sharing about the show on social media. You can join us on Instagram and Twitter at NoPeoplePod. And be sure to visit us at NoNormalPeople.com, where you can sign up for our email newsletter called The Three Thought Thing. Well, now we're at my favorite part of the podcast, which is always just talking about what you are passionate about. We've mentioned music quite a bit and hunting quite a bit. So I, 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 these are two pretty big bullet points that we're about to dig into. Would you add anything to the list before we get started? Cooking. Cooking. That's right. right. Of course, cooking. Cooking. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I have a lot of like hobbies and Passion, but music let's, and hunting are the, the top two. Let's for sure. talk music, hunting, cooking, and then we'll get into some of the smaller hobbies because I'm even curious in those. So I want to start with music because we were just talking about you finally have the job that's going to free you up to kind of open your creative life up a bit more mm-hmm. and and work on your music. So talk to me about like how you began to realize like, oh, I can actually write music too. That was in two. 2010 at Bible college, I started messing around with uh, music production. I was in a music production class, which they offered there, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. A lot of like live sound design and mixing and here's the, how a microphone works and all that stuff. (laughs) And I was always in bands like growing up and, you know, kind of writing there. And I eventually just got tired of um, just playing like grooves and I wanted to start writing melody. So in Spain they had like a little keyboard there and I taught myself how to play piano a little bit, like just making chords. And that's where I started to like write. Excellent. And I was like, Oh, this, it doesn't come naturally. Writing is a labor of love for sure. But Mm -hmm. it was like, Oh, like I, I'm writing some songs that I really think are cool. This is sweet. It's kind of the Genesis of the, the, the composing aspect to it. Have you played music your whole life? Since I was 12, I started playing drums, uh, being in bands. So I'm 30 now, so 18 years. 
more than half my life. Fantastic. Been, would you cool. would you call drums your main instrument still? Definitely. Oh yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, you've you've Definitely. gotten you've gotten a uh, a glowing shout out from our past guest Jess McDonald. Yeah. For your uh, Jess, your I love work. the McDonalds. <laughs> I love the McDonalds. Oh my gosh, seriously. But uh, yeah, so we already got a little flavor of your drumming, um, because she she allowed us to play a couple clips of uh, Glory coming. Roaring and Dawn is Coming. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome! I That's love a, that. The Dawn is coming. Is a oh my gosh, so great good. song. Jess is so talented. One She's of my such favorites. a great songwriter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm speechless. Okay, but so <laughs> so drums drums is where it starts. What other instruments do you play now, though? I can kind of play piano. Like I know chords. You dabble. I know um, how to play like you know all the major keys, and so I can like tinker and, and make chords and chord progressions. And right. that's how my songwriting starts. Sure. And then uh, Solomon Ray. Do you guys know Solomon Ray? Oh, yeah. Sure do. You should have him on your podcast. He's uh, oh, we plan on it. a fascinating <laughs> person. So I, when I released my first project, which is under Dylan Dietz, it's called Euphoria for, Forever. Like three years ago, I, I don't know what happened, but I just like got massively depressed and, mm-hmm. you know, severe panic attacks three, four times a week mm. and wow. wasn't sure what was going on. And you know, looking back, I was always a pretty anxious, depressed kid growing up. But that was about the time when, you know, no one talked about mental health. Oh, yeah. It was either like, hey, you know, buck up, figure it out. Yeah. You're fine. Rub some dirt in you it. You know, you're not, you're not crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which was true. But looking back and knowing what I know now, I've always kind of had like a uh, slight anxiety disorder. Right. Mm-hmm. And three years ago, starting to like, okay, I definitely need a, a therapist for sure. Yeah. Because something's wrong. It was like when, you know, just bought this great house and have a great kid who's awesome and my wife is amazing and my job is great. Then right. why do I want to kill myself? You know, yeah. not to be too heavy handed, but that's, wow. yeah. I say that to, to, to show like, okay, I knew something was wrong because this is irrational. Right. 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 You couldn't yeah. point to, I couldn't point to a thing, you know, usually it's like, oh, I'm anxious because of this. So let's attack that and deal with it. Yeah. When you couldn't put your finger on it, that's where I was like, something might be kind of wrong. Right. That led to, you know, therapy and uh, medication, which I don't know if medication's right for everybody, but it sure as hell has helped me a great deal. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I'm down to like half my dose and doing amazing and so thank god for that thanks to my wife and uh fresh life and all the people that have helped me and still help me to this day is great Mm, yeah but so being like a creative individual i just started journaling Mm -hmm. everything in that time and i took those journal entries and wrote um euphoria forever that album all from the journal entries i had uh written down that's where all the lyrics came from so that was a very cathartic that's why i'm so proud of it it was such a cathartic therapeutic thing to release that project and see you know it doesn't have a ton of streams or anything but to see people like relate to it has been really cool right yeah so so around that time you know i've been really good friends with solomon since i moved here and he heard me singing one time. I was like, dude, you should like release some stuff. And I showed him some old demos. And he's like, let's do a project. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted to release a music project for real on Spotify, on iTunes, do it right. the, the actual way, have someone actually produce it, have it mastered, have, and I got to do that with him in that it was such an easy 
process. Um, I think in nine months, we've completely finished the whole thing, which is, in my opinion, pretty good. Right. Released it. I'm really proud of it. And and yeah, so now we're working on the second album, which is a lot more fun mm-hmm. and dancey and the stuff I really want to create. The songwriting experience with Solomon is like, so while I've written this entire album so far when I was working at Costco and you go into the meat cooler <laughs> and there's like the hum of the the cooler fans in there. Totally. Right? Yep. And then so you just start finding melody and singing to that noise. And oh. then I just make up lyrics and um, write them all down. And then I bring them to Solomon and say, okay, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I want the song to feel like. Here's some sounds maybe I want to use. Here's the lyrics I have. Here's a basic chord progression. And then I just hand it to him. And then he'll start making it a hundred times better. (laughs) It's amazing how many times I'll be like, well, what if we did this and made it? And then he'll finish my sentence and we're thinking the exact same thing. Right. So it's like an extension of my brain uh, working with him. (laughs) Love that. And so I I owe him so much. He's taken all of the things in my head and brought them to life and brought, made them even better better nice right. That's and so cool. yeah it's been amazing so uh, working with solomon so euphoria forever felt more it was like the description on spotify is like it's a therapy session of sorts for you like yes. it was it was getting that stuff out there do you feel like it was almost yeah. like removing the cork so now you can do the f- the more fun the dancey the poppy stuff on the on the 100%. second project yeah that's a great way to put it so yeah i i can't explain it any other way than it was very therapeutic to do that. It was like, I thought for the longest time that like, I can't say, I think I have a problem right. because that would make it like more real. Sure. And the very opposite thing happened. It was oh, like, wow. I took the power away from it yeah. by right. putting by br- it out in the open. By bringing it to yeah. the light. Wow. Yeah. So I've been like very honest on like my social media and stuff without trying to, you know, very conscious of not trying to make it like oh poor me look sure. what i'm going through right. but yeah, totally. I, I found that that was a way that you could suck the power right out of it totally. like it has it didn't have any power over me anymore because i was being honest about it and that's what that whole record was is it NLP really something i cannot see is it mostly me really me Cause I feel stuck as a person that I don't wanna be I can feel it, I can feel it bringing me down It's got me feeling like a lost cause Is it a safety net? Lord knows I gotta do something different It's got me feeling like a lost cause It's got me wondering Oh, it's got me wondering Do I really wanna change? Do I just love being? It feels like trying to capture the Grand Canyon But you're never satisfied with the photograph that's taken So why take it, take it, take it it all My heart is like So between, but, yeah. I'm, I'm curious, between Grand Canyon and All Right Better Which song do you want to talk about specifically and which one do you want to highlight? Um, Grand Canyon is my most popular song by like 4,000 streams. It, it definitely is. Yes. My personal favorite on that record is Young Buck. Young Buck. Um, Let's do it. Young Buck is the one I'm most proud of. Mm. Why is that? Young Buck, uh, my background is like progressive metal. So in Young Buck, I have an 
odd time signature in there in like the bridge it's in seven eight time which i'm really happy to like kind of write a a half pop song with like some progressive themes in it yeah but that song was so it's all about the bad advice i got when talking to some people from my hometown and from my old church about what i was going through and it was all so suck it up dude you're fine which is just the worst advice you helpful. could give somebody. No, it's not helpful. Yeah. It's not validating either. It's like they're not meeting you where they're at. They're just saying like, I mean, my life is fine. So how dare your life be difficult? You know? Yeah. 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 So like the bridge of that is, you know, suck it up, young buck. You're going to be fine. It's all in your head. It's all in your mind. And then the third time through that, I say, hell, isn't that the point? Like mm-hmm. it is in my, in my mind. And that's the problem. So I'm really happy with how that... Uh, that is whoa. very good. I like that turnaround. It's like, yeah, it is all in my head. That's what I'm trying to tell you. But it's, yeah, that's what I'm trying to but say. But it's still yeah. real. That doesn't make it fake or doesn't make it less... Yeah, it doesn't make it less real. That's your very right. real experience. Wow. Uh, yeah. Really Everything from like the... Wow. I lo- I'm very proud of the lyrics in that song and kind of how it's arranged in the odd time. It's a long song, which I love. And usually in you know, pop, you... You're not supposed to write like a song over three and a half minutes, but sure. that was kind of my like, I'm going to break the rules on this song and actually oh. express myself. So and, cool. Oh, uh, I do want to say oh, uh, yeah. my next album that's coming out, uh, I'm going to release it in May. That's the goal. Nice. And it'll be under Dietzy, D-E-I-T-Z-Y. That's going to be my new like stage name. Very cool. Dietzy on Spotify. Yes. And iTunes, Apple Music, all that. All right. Let's talk about hunting. Did you grow up hunting? Was this like yes. something you did with your dad? One of these classic bonding yep. things? Yeah. So my dad taught me uh, my first big game animal that I harvested was a black bear when I was 12 years old. Wow. Holy. And I had just gotten this big rifle for my birthday. I was all of 105 pounds <laughs> and hunting with this uh, older guy named Wally, who was like kind of a hunting mentor at the time, mm-hmm. along with my father mm-hmm. and my grandpa, Lee. And uh, we have three days left in the bear season. Wally pulls me out of school. Um, long story short, I shot this uh, gorgeous uh, cinnamon phase mm. black bear. So black bears can have different colored coats. Mm. And so this gorgeous cinnamon colored giant black bear at 40 yards when I was 12. So that was like my nice. first like, oh, I think I love this. Wow. And uh, yeah, and it took me like five years to harvest my next animal because I, I missed <laughs> like 50 deer. But yeah, I yeah, grew up hunting. Uh, my dad showed me the ropes, took us grouse hunting when we were little kids. And um, that's kind of like was the seed for it. And then it would be years later when I started hunting by myself that I really was like, oh, this is very important to my well-being and mm-hmm. my soul. And so now it's a, it's been a sustained obsession for many, many years now. What makes it a soulful practice? For you, I think people connect with God in like their own unique way. Some people, it's like you know, worship music or connecting with people over coffee. Right. Mm-hmm. I've always mm-hmm. been able to. I have a very like busy mind, and I'm addicted to content. So there's rarely times where I have a quiet moment. Like it's always a podcast or music or an audio book or a right. YouTube video, right? right. Yeah. Constantly. Yep. Like I can't do the dishes without listening or being entertained in some way. Right. Whereas hunting is like you're forcing yourself to go most times with a zero cell service 
Um, I'm by myself. It's quiet. You're forced to like still your mind and pay attention and be on looking for predators. It, there's, it's nature, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people have used nature to connect to some higher power uh, for ever. And that, I think that's it. It's like being forced to put the phone away be like very present in my surroundings. And right. Yeah. That's very cool. I've always been curious about hunting. I personally have never been hunting myself, mm-hmm. which feels <laughs> like I'm not doing Montana right. <laughs> but <laughs> but what is what's the connection for you between the like the sport of the thing and because I've always heard hunters describe kind of this sacred relationship you end up creating with the animal you harvest and hundred percent and it being a lot more than just like looking for the next trophy Mm -hmm. or the next pelt but you're you're here to honor the animal in the way you you butcher the meat you prepare it and you actually feed your family through it so would you talk about kind of that that tension between hunting for sport versus hunting for sustenance and and that kind of side of things i was literally going to ask that question nice (laughs) So the whole idea with like, quote unquote, trophy hunting, Mm -hmm. um, which I see nothing wrong with trophy hunting and here's why. Hmm. Now, at the same time, I'm 100% public land, free range. I hate the idea of going to hunt a high fence area where, yeah, you can shoot like a world class, you know, whitetail buck or whatever. Hmm. But I, I don't like the idea of high fence but the idea of trophy hunting, the, the idea behind that is at the heart of it, conservation. So when you're looking for uh, passing up smaller animals to shoot a big mature one, mm-hmm. that shouldn't be frowned upon because from a conservationist standpoint, that's what's going to make the healthiest herd. Right. So you're looking for the, white, the buck or the, the bull or the bear mm. that is very old. It's passed, it's had its chance to pass on all the genetics. Right. And you're taking that animal out of the herd to give the younger up and coming animals time to pass their genetics. It's all around healthy for the herd. Right. So trophy hunting is like, I'm going to shoot the biggest one. And I understand why that gets a bad rep, but the heart behind that typically is from a conservationist mindset. Sure. I am not in that class yet. I think everyone goes, every hunter goes through a journey where, when you first start hunting, it's like, I just need to get a some experience. <laughs> I need to get a deer. I need to prove that this is possible. Right. <laughs> and so I'm like, like I've killed enough deer where now I, I try to hold out for a bigger, more mature animal. Right. When it comes to elk, anything legal is getting an arrow thrown at it because <laughs> right. that'll feed my family for like a year and a half. Right. Absolutely. It will. You know? Yeah. So, so trophy hunting gets a bad rap. I get it. Especially, especially you talk about the sacred relationship with an animal. The the argument is always, well, you can't tell me you love the animal because you're trying to kill it. Sure. Right. And this is something you will only understand if you hunt. I would argue I love deer and elk more than any anti-hunter ever will because mm-hmm. I understand them. Right. Sure. You know? Yeah. I have a full understanding of their behavior, what they're trying to eat, mm-hmm. where they bed, times of day that they're doing this, their what their tendencies are when they're rutting in the mating season. Right. I understand animals, I guarantee you, tenfold more than someone who's never hunted. Wow. 
That's very cool. And so I will say this, anytime I've ever taken an animal, I'm never the guy and my friends, most hunters I know are never like, yeah, drop that son of a <laughs> You know, that's not, it's a strangest mix of gratitude, deep sadness. You just took a life after all. Like right. it's not a yeah. happy thing. The, the pleasure in hunting, that's like the smallest little fraction of it. It's right. the time spent out there, the learning, the watching animals inciting not to shoot and just watching them and smiling and it's a very complex thing. It's very primitive. Like if, if our ancestors didn't hunt, we wouldn't be here today. Right. Feeding your family like the purest form of protein that you can get. Right. I would argue that me putting a bullet or an arrow through two lungs and having this animal die without knowing what happened, without feeling any pain. Mm-hmm. You know, a mature buck in the mountains is very rare to last to, to live four years. Right. Wow. What's going to happen is a wolf is going to kill it and eat it while it's still alive, yeah. starting from the butt, mm. you know, mm. and yeah. going up while the animal's still alive. I think the way I'm decided to take an animal is a thousand percent more humane than their horrific death in the wilderness is right. going to be or starving to death or totally too much snow you can't eat, you know? Yeah. So not to get too graphic, I we'll- just hope to bring a little bit more understanding to to it right i oh, guess totally that's that's very helpful will you talk with me about your experience of that that deep sadness uh in particular your your first experience with your with your black bear because i i imagine that was kind of a moment that changed your life in a way because you felt the gravity of what just happened totally and i didn't fully understand the gravity of it because i remember shooting this bear and when we walked up to it the guy who was hunting with me he was like late fifties at the time said, Mm -hmm. I've been hunting my entire life for a black bear like this. Mm. And you just got it like your first experience. It was very surreal because it's a, a predator. Right. And so big teeth and sharp claws. And, um, it was very surreal. I think the, the first time I felt deep sadness was my first, um, deer that I killed this little buck. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'd been hunting, idolizing it and trying to make my dad proud for five years <laughs> and missing and missing and missing and him right. being frustrated and me being frustrated and wanting to quit. And then, so I get this deer and we walk up to the deer and I just remember feeling like, sorry, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, thank you. But, oh man, this didn't, it wasn't, I had to learn in that time that hunting is not about killing an animal. Right. Mm. That's the a small part of it, and it's the, I should have been more present, enjoying time with my my father, and seeing animals, and that's the true pleasure of hunting. The, right. the actually taking of an animal is like, um, yeah, it's it's very hard to put into words, but mm-hmm. it was like you're looking at this gorgeous creature and knowing that you just took its life away, right. and you're very thankful, but you're like, ah, oh. sure. Like I love these animals so much. It's yeah, it's very hard to put into words. Right. Does any does any of that emotionality change between using a rifle and using a bow? No. Um no, no. Uh, it's still the same. Just bow hunting is way more intimate, it seems. Intimate cuz you got to get close. Um there's not as much you know, a bullet will kill off of shock whereas an arrow will kill from like laceration. Right. right. Yep. 
So it's when you walk up to an animal that you killed with your bow. And I, the only animal I've killed with my bow so far is a turkey. So <laughs> uh, I've gotten very close and uh, that's a conversation for another time. Yeah, but um, yeah. it's still sad, but there's less like trauma, if that makes sense. So right. it's less mm. gore, for lack of a better word. Right. Um, it's all anything you take, whether it's a ground hog with a 22 or you know, mm-hmm. a big buck with a high powered rifle. It's still right. like, uh, it's just, it's very, this sacred, sad, happy mix of ugh. the only way you'll experience it is if you hunt for yourself. Right. Okay. Like the only satisfaction that you feel doing it will be months down the road when you are eating an elk steak with your family. Like, Oh, immediately building a fire, taking care of this animal yeah. and cooking a tenderloin on a stick over an open flame. Yeah. Whoa. That is, Whoa. that is it. And then, yeah, for me, so I don't take it to be butchered by anyone. I don't have anyone else process it. I oversee it from the field to my backpack, to my truck, mm-hmm. to the butcher block, to wrapping it, to the freezer, to preparing it. I oversee wow. every single process of it. And that is where the satisfaction comes in. That of knowing like cool. I am feeding my family with this deer for like four or five months. Yeah. It's wow. more protein than a cattle, not shoved full of antibiotics right. or treated terribly in mass, you know, farming. Right. That's where like you feel. And every time you eat that meat, you, you remember the experience that you had. Every smell. Wow. Every wow. sound of a twig breaking, how it all happened, the shot you made, the time with your friends and- yeah, it's very, very, very uh, gratifying. That is very cool. Hmm. So where would you point a, I'm just going to describe me, but where where would you point a 26-year-old <laughs> dude living in Montana who is hunting curious but knows <laughs> absolutely nothing? Like, where do I start my education and what kind of process needs to start if I am curious in attempting hunting for myself? You can absolutely start with YouTube. And you're a podcast guy. There's some amazing hunting podcasts I can throw your way. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What are a couple? Uh, one of my favorites right now is one by Remy Warren, um, who's like kind of a celebrity hunter, but all free range, very knowledgeable, huh. um, very fun to listen to, amazing tips. Uh, what is his? Closing the Distance with Remy Warren That's is cool. awesome. Okay. Um, but as far as like beginner stuff, find a friend or, uh, you know, a friend of your dad's or someone who is a very consistent, solid hunter and tell him, Hey, can you show me some stuff? That's the greatest way to learn. Sure. Even, like even if it's it, just like, will you let me yeah. hike around with you while you hunt? And right. just- if they're a true outdoorsman, like getting other people into hunting is like the greatest joy. I, right. I get way more joy in helping a friend fill their tag than I do filling my own. Wow. Oh, wow. Which is totally what what this gentleman did for you when he said, I've been looking for a black bear like this for so many years, but he let you he, have he it. He had a rifle, too. He let you take <laughs> it. You know? Yeah. He, he absolutely he could have said, for it too. slow your roll, bucko. <laughs> yeah. Right. This you is know? mine. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's awesome. I like yeah. how you, so it's, uh, yeah. I like how you naturally assume that Steven's dad <laughs> would have friends that hunt. 
See, I don't funny. know. That's yeah. that's the that's the thing is like my dad. My dad was not was also not much of an outdoorsman when I was younger. So mm. hunting and fishing were never really things I got into either. Yeah. Sorry, um, Carl. Love you. So, but this is which is this totally is the, cool. This is the point, especially the man, because I can just like I can imagine what it's like to take on the voluntary responsibility of bringing this thing back to the truck and bringing it back to your garage and hanging it up and doing the butchering work yourself, like Mm -hmm. getting into it. That intimacy is so attractive and romantic are not the words for it, but there's something that appeals to me of like, this is the food that I went and got (laughs) and, and this, then this deer and I are, are linked. You get to sustain me. And Deep down in your caveman brain. I, <laughs> I mean, there's there's a uh, there's a fantastic Nick Miller line on New Girl where he's holding like a mallard, like a carved mallard duck, and he looks at it and he's like, "I think I understand." Uh, he's like, "I respect you," and and so I want to kill you. And then he looks up. He's like, "I think I understand hunting." That's amazing. And, That's totally it. I mean, if you're ever in Kalispell, man, come to Kalispell in September. Because we all need to hang out anyways. Mm, and fact. I will take you elk hunting and you can hike up with me and I will get a 800 pound animal with swords growing out of its head, <laughs> screaming. Have you ever heard an elk bugle? I sure have. It's wild. Bro, wait till you hear it 20 yards away and it reverberates inside of your chest. Yeah. And you're intentionally pissing this thing off to come in to fight you. Wow. Oof. Wowzers. You talk about adrenaline much it'll change your life forever wow wow or just come up during deer season we'll go on an easy hike we'll sit we'll watch deer i probably won't kill one that day but (laughs) i'll teach you stuff here's a game trail here's how to tell if a track is fresh here's what we're looking for this is so we want to be between food and bedding area at this time (laughs) all right yeah it's a date it's a date (laughs) okay so taking taking the butchering process further into the kitchen. Yes. Talk to me about your love for cooking. Um, I mean, it's, it wraps up the package nicely, right? Mm-hmm. It's right. like, absolutely. Knowing how to cook game meat. So growing up, I didn't like venison that much is be- because people were afraid to eat it medium rare. Mm-hmm. So they just cooked the hell out of it and it becomes like, yeah, chewy. It's like eating a hockey puck. So I was yeah. like, Oh, deer isn't any good. That's not it's good. not tender. Right. And then to learning how to cook it myself and where, you know, okay, it starts within the field. You got to take care of this meat right away. You got to get it cooled down. You can uh, gut an animal out and drag it home. But usually where we're hunting, that's not possible because we're right. miles and miles and miles deep. Yeah. So it's what we call the gutless method is skinning and quartering and taking every last possible ounce of meat off that animal without having to touch the guts wow. and then putting it on your back. Last year, I killed my biggest... Uh, whitetail buck to date i was three and a half miles in by myself in five degree weather with an entire deer um quartered out on my back it was well over 100 pounds on my back Jeez. hiking it out through you know knee deep snow and just the oh, so is the, it starts with that is the philosophy sure, there yeah. is the philosophy there that you get to leave uh some of the carcass and the guts behind almost in a way like you're you're helping to feed other creatures 
behind you. Hundred percent. When you take Birds, the muscle predators, with you, yeah. they always predators eat the guts first because that's sure. where all the fat is, and that's what's more important to them. Because right. deer meat and and elk are extremely lean. There's almost no fat in it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Totally. So like, there's stories of like you know Native Americans that would kill a caribou, and the first thing they'd eat was the fat behind the eyeballs. Yep. Right. Yeah. And it tastes like pizza dough, which is what? amazing. Wild. What? Yeah. Wild. So the, I love the pizza. fat's where it's at. Oh <laughs> man. Wait How? till you taste eye fat. <laughs> <laughs> How much consideration or do you selectively bring even some of the organs home to prepare and yes. cook for yourself? Hundred percent. Always the heart. I the heart is uh, maybe my favorite food from a uh, an animal. Yeah. Mm. From a deer at least. The heart is amazing. If I if I made heart for you and gave it to you and said it was steak, you'd know no difference. Ooh. People get freaked out. It's a muscle, right? Sure, right. totally. And yeah, absolutely. It's great, packed full of vitamins, and it's amazing. A lot of guys do the liver. I'm yep. not a huge fan of the liver, um, but the tongue, I love. Beef tongue is amazing. If you've never had tongue or uh, tongue tacos, tongue sandwiches, uh, I know it sounds weird. I but wish I'm you telling could you, see my like face candy. right now. This is so exciting <laughs> to me, Dylan. Like, Dixie won't. Dixie won't join me in my love okay, for organ meats. I said. I I specifically said I will only eat organ meat if someone who knows how to cook it makes well, it for it sounds me. Sounds like Dylan knows. So, <laughs> look, we're you're gonna come out. We're gonna kill a deer, <laughs> and we're gonna eat the heart, and uh, it'll change your life. It's amazing. Okay. Fantastic. I love it. So good. Yeah. So we take we take everything possible that we we can take. Right. And then so when you leave like the carcass behind, guts behind, the birds and the predators, they get um, they get a snack too. Right. But mainly, it just makes it possible to get all the meat back without having to drag an animal for three miles. So that's right. impossible. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, it you but, could try. Uh, it starts with that, like <laughs> taking proper care. No hair on any of it. No. Uh, everything's clean, cooled down. That's where where it starts. Right. You're getting it hang and hung and aged properly down to butchering. And I pride myself on knowing every single muscle group on the animal, what mm-hmm. it's called, how to take it off the bone perfectly. You're not wasting anything. That's so cool. And then, um, yeah, and then cooking that. And I've gotten half decent over the years of learning how to cook wild game <laughs> and preparing it in such a way that people who have, are grossed out by eating wild game or never have love it. Like I, uh, my blackberry I killed last spring. We took the whole back ham and smoked it for mm. four hours oh. and then uh, made, made tacos out of it. And I served it to people who had never had wild game, let alone bear. And everyone thinks bears right. don't taste good. Right. It's the most beef like animal on the mountain. And yeah. I, I remember wow. serving them this, this bear meat and they said, where'd you get this beef? It's amazing. I said, oh, it's black bear. And they're like, no way. <laughs> That's powerful. That's probably the That's old, like right the most unique meat that I've had. I had a friend who got a black bear and I had bear meat meatballs. There you go. Oh, they were, nice. They were real good. Pretty good. <laughs> mm-hmm. So where did you start your, your home cooking education? Where did you start learning these, these tips and tricks? My mama when I was a little kid. <laughs> and then I was obsessed with the Food Network. I mean, who isn't? And yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so that would get me like experimenting in the kitchen and my parents would like humor me and let me 
cook dinner. I remember the first thing I ever learned to make was fried potatoes. <laughs> and I the heat was on too high, so I'd burn the outside. The insides wouldn't be cooked. I covered them in hot sauce. I called them stud spuds. <laughs> that was like my first recipe. And That's my dad funny. would like choke it down and be like, mmm, good. So, so good. Yeah. So they'd humor me. <laughs> they'd let me help. But really, like I would say like the last 10 years is like, okay, I want to understand like the science behind cooking and right. sure. how to make a pan sauce, how to make a roux, roux how, to ch- how to hold a knife properly, how to chop properly without cutting my fingers. And- <laughs> right. Talk to me about the, the science of cooking and where you started learning these things. This was, uh, I don't know where exactly I learned it. Probably a lot of YouTube and, you know, being very inconsistent, like cooking, my specialty is like steaks, right? And, right. uh, cooking meats and so science like temperatures mm-hmm. right so learning little things like so everyone thinks you know you got to cook a steak to 165 degrees sure and that's quote unquote safe when i've learned like if you take care of your meat properly like i'll i'll make venison tartare all mm-hmm. the time mm. and oh uh, it's amazing and I've never gotten sick no one I've given it to has ever gotten sick if you take care of stuff properly and treat it right yeah you can get pretty raw with it literally and sure. then just learning like okay so what is the actual temperature internally of the perfect edge to edge medium rare right okay well that's 135 mm. right 135 degrees mm-hmm. so I do a ton of sous vide cooking, which is like a water bath. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yes. It's like a where, warm water bath where you slowly cook it through. Exactly. And you can set the temperature of the water to exactly whatever you want. And you could cook it for weeks if you wanted to, and it's never going to overcook. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just going to continue to break down. So I learned, okay, so if I cook something at 129 degrees for, you know, say I'm doing a, a really tough piece of meat like a a neck roast from a deer which a lot of people just leave in the woods and it's a travesty to me um, because it's amazing they just think oh it's so tough like yeah i could grind it but that's such a waste so i could cook a neck for 24 hours at 129 degrees take it out pat it dry and put a great sear on it Mm -hmm. and it'll be like fork tender so learning that kind of scientific thing or even you know a ribeye i know that i need to get the meat to room temperature before I cook it. Right. Otherwise, it's not going to, it's going to be cold in the middle and it's not going to cook thoroughly. So get it to room temperature. Make sure it's super dry on the outside. Put my salt, pepper, garlic powder. That's all I ever do. Mm. And then boom, high, high, high heat. Get the pan literally smoking. A little bit of oil in the pan. Boom, get a nice sear for about a 45 seconds to a minute. Turn it over, do the same thing. Take it off the heat. Turn the heat down to like medium high. Throw a huge pat of butter in, rosemary, whole cloves of crushed garlic, and then start basting <laughs> that thing uh, in that butter over and over and over again, a minute on each side till it's perfect medium rare. Learning uh, the feel of it, how to know when it's done, all that kind of stuff, man. Steven's uh, crying. And then making a, turning a pan <laughs> sauce out of those drippings and deglazing the pan with whiskey. Right. And, you know, making a roux and... Yeah, all that stuff. I really wish don't, you could see Steven's face Dylan, right now. Dylan, don't take this the wrong way, but I'm so hungry now. <laughs> Dude, so am I. Oh my gosh. Oh, hey, look, wow. I'm being serious. You guys come up next fall and we'll go hunting. And yeah. if we don't kill something, that's fine. I've got a freezer full of wild game. 
and I'll, I'll cook for you guys. I love to cook for people. So, uh, I, you're just you're continually selling this <laughs> this trip that oh, we're gonna. It's an easy sell, man. It's an easy sell. It absolutely is. Good we gravy. already love Callis Bell and Whitefish, right. so it's like yeah, okay. I guess if like. you want to cook me meat, so, so this is where these these are where your skills started. This is where like preparing the meat that you were. Uh, taking home from the mountain. Yeah, it's a way to honor the animal. The, the The most insulting thing you can do is kill an animal, grind most of it because you don't know how to butcher it yourself and mm. get the most of steaks and roasts. And you're just saving like the back straps and then grinding it all into hamburger, which if you want to do that, fine. But for me, it's like a way that I can really truly honor that animal Dang. and not overcook it. That is so insulting. If you like your your meat like medium or medium well, that's that's totally fine. But to not know what you're doing and yeah. just blast it and right. char it and then end up not like it, it blows my mind when people are like, do you want any deer meat? I've had this deer in the freezer for three years. I'm Ugh. like, how? Oh my gosh. How? So like you better learn to cook it correctly if you're going to kill it. Right. In my opinion. Sure. Man, I totally respect that. What do you think? Where, where is your education around like side dishes. Like what do you like to prepare as mm. far as vegetables or starches, all these kind of things? Yeah. I like to keep it s- simple, a protein and a vegetable. This is the way to eat. So this is the way to eat. Any, right any, <laughs> you can sous vide vegetables. Those are great. I love, uh, oh, what's like my special, I, I cook a mean like charred asparagus. Mm. Mm. I, I, in my opinion, I make some of the best mashed potato you'll, you'll ever eat. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm very good at that. I love making homemade gravies, homemade pan sauces, and elevating that dish to the next level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love presenting it on the plate very good. My, I make this amazing uh, appetizer that's um, roasted tomatoes, garlic, onion, a really chunky piece of baguette that's toasted perfectly, goat's cheese, then those tomatoes on top, a homemade balsamic reduction on that. Uh, that's dynamite. Yeah, I don't know. I, Brussels, I, Brussels sprouts. I cook a really great Brussels sprout, green beans. Tell me about the Brussels sprouts because I love them. I just have not figured out how to prepare them best yet. Okay, I soak. I cut them in half. I soak them in water for like 20 minutes, drain them, and then, again, really high heat in the pan. Mm-hmm. Get that really nice caramelization on there. Sure. Whatever spices, garlic, all that. And then the key is turning the heat down after you get them really nice and caramelized and really, I'll, I'll cook them in a little bit of like chicken stock mm. and then cover them and let them like steam and cook at the same time. So all that uh, chicken stock or whatever stock I put in there is evaporated. Yeah. Right. Then again, wow. bacon, onion, uh, and homemade balsamic maple reduction. Mm. Yeah, I can see where I was going wrong with that. So we're moving. We're going to give that a try now. Fish. Um, <laughs> hey, you guys can hire me to be your personal chef. Is that the would, house next door oh to yours yeah. available? Like Seriously. <laughs> what What would you name as some hobbies outside of like music and hunting and and cooking that you just do to? I don't want to say occupy time, but yeah, what do, What do you do when you have some free time and you're not hunting or creating music? I write comedy. I'm working on a stand up routine. That's kind of a fun hobby. I don't know if I'll ever do it. It was unexpected, uh, but I'm into it. Wildly, wildly um, inappropriate. What are some some comics that you would 
call your influences? Influences? Uh, I mean, Dave Chappelle is, in my opinion, like not just one of the greatest comedians of our time, but one of the most important voices of our time. Oh, I mean, yeah, totally. (laughs) I'm with you there. Tom Segura is one of my favorite comedians. Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, John Mulaney, of course. Like He's every millennial's favorite comedian. So good. Dang it, there's a bunch of like, uh, I really like Theo Vaughn. I really like Andrew Schultz these days. Mm-hmm. He just came out with this Netflix special. Mm. It's very like political, mm. but it's amazing. Well, I yeah, mean, there's a billion comedians. This, this, all of them. This would be the time to reveal on the podcast that I too have been putting together just a notebook page full of joke no ideas, way. joke concepts. For real. This is this is the thing. I think one day I'm going to have to collect everyone that I know that's doing this and we're just going to all have to challenge ourselves to go to an open mic together. We'll go to an open mic. It yeah. can't be in the Flathead Valley because, you know, I'm still a Jesus follower <laughs> and my material is... Uh, we got to go to some dicey place where all the... Yeah. In Spain with the prostitutes. Oh. Yeah, okay. exactly. That would be perfect. Either that, yeah, we go to somewhere where none of us live. Well, <laughs> Yeah, drive like, on over to Coeur d'Alene or Spokane or something. Yeah, get do out an of the state. Yeah. yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm I'm here for it. It's one of my uh, my goals in life is to do it. So I, I can make my friends laugh. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, it's like I try to make, make a room full of strangers laugh. laugh. Mm, totally. Right. Uh, so, are you familiar with Pete Holmes? I love Pete Holmes. Oh <sighs> my gosh, he just recently. I love Pete Holmes. I recently heard him say it on the podcast on his uh, "You Made It Weird" podcast. He said the difference yeah. between a funny person and a comedian is that the comedian writes down the joke. Exactly. That's yeah. T- yeah. Totally. So like if you notice that you're making your friends laugh all the time, like you have it, you already have it. You know how to play to a room. You know when a joke falls flat and you're like, okay, I won't say <laughs> anything like that anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you totally rework know. Rework it. Yeah. Exactly. Rework it. You got to work on the delivery, the timing and all that. But yeah, the, literally the only difference is a comedian writes it down and then actually picks up a mic. And you're you're halfway there, man. So we'll get there. <laughs> I, I tell my wife, like, if I ever die, delete my entire folder of jokes. Oh, no. <laughs> and just don't let my just don't let my family see those. That's pretty solid. That's good work right there. <laughs> All right. Well, we are conscious of the fact that we're nearing the end of our time here. So for our closing questions, I'm curious to know what you're currently reading. Yeah, I'm reading um uh, one of my favorite actors, Simon Pegg. Mm. The redhead, he was in Star Trek, Hot right. Fuzz, which oh, is my yeah. favorite movie of all there time. Yeah. He has a, a memoir out called Nerd Do Well. Nerd <laughs> Do Well. Nice. And it's nice. the most creative. I, I'm really big into reading like memoirs mm-hmm. of celebrities. Sure. Yeah. Because it's like a podcast, you know? Totally. That's why I love podcasting. Just this open, honest, uh, you really get to see what someone's like. Right. But he writes like a chapter of fiction, like like a parody of his life. And <laughs> then we'll go the next chapter into actual background. Wow. So it's super creative. It's hilarious. He's a brilliant comedic writer. I recommend that book to everybody. What are you currently listening to? What pops up when you open Spotify for music? What are you jamming right now? Uh, a lot of uh, this band called Young and Sick, which him and I have been in, in dialogue recently. He's the only of mm. like my heroes um, <laughs> that's actually talking to me on instagram which is really cool he followed me recently so no big deal there no big dumb fantastic uh, cool. <laughs> young and sick um a band called broods which is another one of my favorite bands yeah what about podcasts i'm a huge joe rogan fan nice uh so i'm trying to listen to him as much as possible um a lot of hunting podcasts i listen to a 
tons of comedy podcasts. Uh, Two Bears, One Cave with Tom Segura <laughs> and Burt Kreischer. Nice. Um, the the Fighter and the Kids with Brennan Schaub. He's a ex pro MMA fighter turned comedian. Big fan of him. Uh, what are you currently watching? Any TV shows you're in the middle of or movies you have uh, seen recently? The Queen's Gambit. If you haven't seen it, mm-hmm. great. Uh, yeah, yes. really enjoyed that. The Boys on Amazon Prime, which I talked about earlier. I just finished that. Dylan, thank you so much for being on our podcast. This was a delightful way to spend a morning. Yes. Yes, indeed. I had a great time, guys. Thanks for uh, the offer. I really, really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. It was great to chat. We haven't done a lot of chatting in the past. so yeah. Totally, right? Uh, I look forward to talking to you guys more. Yeah, for and real. You guys coming to Kalispell. Sounds for like we're yeah, going to well, be hunting. Wild adventure. So. We're moving there next month. So right. it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Mm, so good. So to remind people, they can follow you at Dylan Dietz and at DT with three Y's. And with three wise, find your stuff on Spotify. We'll put the link tree in the show notes as well. Anything else you want to plug? I mean, your new, your new thing is coming out. Your new record is coming out in May. Yeah, I guess I'll be releasing a Kickstarter project uh, for that here in the near future oh, because um, recording is expensive and right. there's things I want to do like a whole apparel line and music videos. And if people want to donate to that, that'll be live pretty soon. Well, man. Uh, congratulations on the new job. I hope that starts on the best positive note it possibly can. Yeah, for Thank real. you. Um, would you close us out here and read our favorite quote for the podcast? The only normal people you know are the ones that you do not know very well. Thank you for joining us. You can follow the Hennings on Instagram and Twitter at Stephen G. Henning and at Dixie Lee Henning. Our theme music is composed and performed by Stephen and Dixie Henning and was recorded, mixed, and mastered by Austin Smith. Our artwork is designed by Dixie Lee Henning. Find more of her work at DixieLeeDraws.com, at DixieLeeDraws on both Instagram and TikTok, and at DrawsDixie on Twitter. <laughs>